take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, May 31st, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. We're coming to you live and direct from Campus Radio Headquarters here in beautiful, sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, where the temperature is creeping up near 100, and it's supposed to get into the 110s by the weekend. But fortunately, I won't be here this weekend. I'm just here for one day, just today, bringing you a live show. Tomorrow, there will be no live show because I'll be on my way to Aspen, Colorado for the Aspen Normal Legal Seminar, the annual seminar of the best and brightest in criminal defense and cannabis law reform, meeting up in Aspen at the Gantt Resort We're going to get a lot of interviews and recordings for you of this very prestigious event. And I'm also taking my base up there because this will be my fifth visit to Hunter S. Thompson's Owl Farm and another chance to uh, get in on the jam session. So uh, it's my once a year jam session at Hunter Thompson's place. Uh, It's it's really just for me. (laughs) It it really just uh, frees my soul, if you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who are... uh, fans of the good doctor oh my goodness the uh the experience up there is is it's just takes my breath away (laughs) obviously it makes me speechless and very few things do that so anyway we've got a great show coming to you today with our special guest joining us from free speech tv's marijuana straight talk becca williams will be talking to us at half past the hour Their show is taking off on Free Speech TV. We're going to hear all about it and where you can find it. So stay tuned for that coming up in our Cannabis Cinema segment at half past the hour. Also on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant as I take note of how Ohio is now marching into the medical marijuana box canyon. Although we do have to give them some credit. They have crafted the best law out of the past five or ten that have passed in this country. So uh, not all is uh, doom and gloom over there in Ohio. In fact, there's uh, going to be a lot of very happy patients that will finally be getting some relief. But uh, we'll give you all those details in the Radical Rant at the end of Hour 1. Also coming up in Hour 1 here in our Drug War Data Mining segment, some news that I broke on Cannabis Radio News today which is that senior marijuana use, that is people over the age of 50, has doubled in the past dozen years, while teenage marijuana use, defined as ages 12 to 17, has declined by a quarter. So we'll give you the details behind those numbers and how they disprove the talking point of the prohibitionists that legalizing marijuana will somehow send the wrong message to the children. Also coming up in hour one in our Behind the Headlines segment, we're going to take a look at the Menomini tribe in Wisconsin who have been rebuffed by a federal judge on their challenge to the DEA's raids 
on their hemp crop. We'll tell you what the judge decided and why that kind of sticks in my craw when it comes to treating our Native American tribes and their sovereignty with respect. But all that comes after the Cannabis Radio News. We start things off with some headlines from Columbus, Ohio, where, again, the medical marijuana issue seems to have been settled now. We take you out to the Netherlands, where there's a new study on cannabis legalization and international law. We've got a septuagenarian candidate for Congress in Tennessee who got busted with a massive marijuana grow. In Springfield, Illinois, we've got the governor changing his mind on medical marijuana expansion. In Portland, Maine, there's a new coalition to oppose marijuana legalization, and the governor of Oregon has appointed a senior advisor on marijuana policy. Coming up next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. 
This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, May 31st, 2016. Columbus, Ohio. Ohioans for Medical Marijuana have announced they are dropping their campaign to pass a medical marijuana constitutional amendment that allows patients to cultivate their own cannabis. The group, backed by the Marijuana Policy Project, notes that the Ohio legislature's passage of a medical marijuana law has undercut the potential for the initiative campaign. Quote, with several hundred thousand signatures collected thus far, one option for our movement would have been to continue to pour our resources into obtaining the additional signatures needed to put the issue before voters, said campaign manager Brandon Lenaw. Continuing, but the reality is that raising funds for medical marijuana policy changes is incredibly difficult, especially given the improvements made to the proposed program by the Ohio General Assembly and the fact that the governor is expected to sign the bill, end quote. The legislative medical marijuana bill does not allow for home cultivation, bans smoking medical marijuana, and limits cannabis concentrates to 70% THC. Neemechen, the Netherlands. The legalization of cannabis by United Nations member states does not violate international law, according to a new study by researchers at Radboud University in the Netherlands. While a trio of international drug control treaties ban the cultivation and sale of cannabis for recreational use, the study authors argue that nations can legalize cannabis to protect human rights if doing so works better than drug prohibition. Five conditions must be met, which include the nation demonstrating a human rights justification for cannabis legalization, showing that legalization will succeed where prohibition has failed, deciding to legalize through the democratic process, preventing international trafficking of cannabis, and discouraging personal use of cannabis. Under such conditions, the authors argue, UN human rights obligations would trump the UN drug conventions. Crossville, Tennessee. A 77-year-old candidate for Congress in Tennessee has been busted for a 180-plant cannabis grow inside a barn on her property. Flo Matheson, running for Congress in Tennessee's 6th Congressional District, was also found to be in possession of two ounces of usable marijuana inside her home. Matheson owns up to the marijuana, quote, I smoke marijuana, I'm guilty, I did it, end quote, she said, but denies knowledge of the grow site in her barn, which she had allowed a friend to use, a homeless veteran named Stephen Harrington. Quote, I really don't regret that this happened, she said. It's been a life-changing experience for me in that it has made me more defiant and determined to try and get these laws changed, end quote, she told a local NBC affiliate. Springfield, Illinois. Governor Bruce Rauner has reversed course on broadening Illinois' medical marijuana pilot program and is now supporting a plan to extend it roughly two years and add more qualifying health conditions. Legislation filed Friday by Deputy House Leader Lou Lang adds post-traumatic stress syndrome and terminal illness to the qualifying conditions, reconstitutes an advisory board, and overhauls procedures. The proposal also extends the sunset to 2020 from 2018. Rauner has previously rejected attempts at expansion. He vetoed legislation adding PTSD. In a statement, Lang says Rauner and GOP leaders agreed on a plan that'll help seriously ill individuals. Rauner's office confirmed his support but declined to comment. Democratic former Governor Pat Quinn signed the program into law in 2013. The sales, the first sales, were just last year. 
Portland, Maine, a coalition of drug rehab professionals, faith leaders, law enforcement, and public health advocates has formed to oppose the initiative to legalize marijuana in Maine. The group is called Mainers Protecting Our Youth and Communities and is headed by Scott M. Gagnon, who is also the head of the local chapter of Project SAM, Smart Approaches to Marijuana, the national anti-legalization group headed by Kevin Sabet. Quote, this initiative to legalize marijuana poses significant threats to our youth and communities, Gagnon said in a prepared statement. The marijuana industry has crafted an initiative that would see shops open in neighborhoods all over Maine, selling potent pot gummy bears and cookies and other highly addictive and dangerous products. These products have led to increases in ER admissions in Colorado, including admissions of preschool-aged children, end quote. A recent poll shows that 55% of Mainers support the legalization initiative. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, May 31st, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery. Even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that too. Okay. Maybe you're high too. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at a Wisconsin tribe that is attempting to legalize hemp in its uh, tribal lands. Now, part of the problem with this is that its tribal lands are completely within the state of Wisconsin, which does not recognize the uh, use of cannabis or the use of industrial hemp. So uh, this has caused a big problem uh, for them, and it culminated in a raid that took place. The U.S. Uh, the U.S. DEA uh, raiding the 
Menemeni tribe, excuse me, just trying to get the pronunciation correct, the Menemeni tribe in Wisconsin, and seizing all of their hemp plants and seed that they had uh, uh, put together. Now, uh, there was a lawsuit filed by the Menemeni tribe uh, in federal court, uh, which was seeking a declaration that their hemp growing operation was legal based on the idea that the uh, Farming Act, the U.S. Farm Act that allows the states to legally grow and ex- experiment with hemp should extend to the Native American tribes. Unfortunately, last week, a federal judge dismissed this lawsuit by the Menemeni tribe, uh, claiming that they did not really have the standing to bring that lawsuit about. And looking at the uh, the decision by the federal judge, um, he says that the court denies for declaratory relief to the effect that state, as used in the hemp statute, in- includes Indian tribes and rejects the tribe's theory that it acted as a state when, enact- when it enacted its own law allowing hemp cultivation. That's the uh, Farm Act that I'm talking about. And again, the Farm Act specifies that states that have passed their own industrial hemp farming law should now be free from DEA interference in pursuing that law. And that's why we've got hemp plantations going up in Kentucky and Colorado and Oregon and so forth. But the problem that still remains is that these Indian tribes that are supposed to be sovereign nations under our law are not being given that respect, not given the the respect that states are given under this law. And states aren't sovereign under federal law. I mean, really, the Indian tribes should have more freedom than the states do in this particular respect. But according to the judge, since they didn't specifically mention native tribes, and they only mentioned state in the hemp statute, in, in the farm bill, that it doesn't apply to the native tribes. Now, it it doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense if a state is sovereign enough to do hemp plantations, an Indian tribe should be, but law and logic don't always go hand in hand. So uh, the tribe argued also that it should be exempt from the state ban on growing hemp under Wisconsin state law. Uh, the judge there said, quote, Wisconsin law does not allow the growing of hemp. While Wisconsin law is not enforceable on the Menemeni reservation, that does not change the fact that the growing or cultivating of industrial hemp is not allowed under the laws of the state of Wisconsin. Because the tribe is located in the state of Wisconsin, the hemp exception to the Controlled Substances Act does not apply to the tribe. And having concluded that the exception does not apply in any event, state or federal, it is not necessary to address the issue of whether the College of Men of Many Nation is an institution of higher education under 5940. Uh, that part that they're referring to there is the part of the Farm Act that says that the research institutions in the states that have laws regarding industrial hemp are free to move forward with the research of industrial hemp. Even that's not going to be allowed. He doesn't even have to get to that point because they don't have the right under state or federal law to move forward. Now, there was a response by the Menemeni tribe uh, to this ruling. And in their response, they say, quote, 
The tribe is disappointed with this recent setback that challenges our sovereignty as a tribal nation and inhibits our ability to pursue research initiatives exploring the viability of this versatile and sustainable crop. The tribe is currently reviewing the decision to determine what options it may or may not pursue. End quote. So once again, the federal government screwing over the Native Americans and unnecessarily so. Uh, it seems clear that the direction of the country is for more leniency, more acceptance of marijuana, much less industrial hemp. And on the issue of industrial hemp, m- most people these days are, are, are educated enough to understand that we're talking about rope, not dope. We're talking about fuel and fiber and building materials and food and uh, everything but getting high when we're talking about industrial hemp. So the native tribes should be free to grow this. The states should be free to grow this. The entire country should give up the Schedule One designation for industrial hemp plants. They're still growing wild in places like Wisconsin and Kansas and Nebraska. Let's get out of here. I have some really good weed back at the hotel. All right, we got to take a break because we're having some technical difficulties on the live feed side. I'm going to have to restart a couple of things. Shouldn't affect those of us listening to the podcast because I'm just going to pause the recording until we get things fixed. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Russ Bell Show on CannabisRadio.com. At least those of you listening to the podcast are. Maui Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. I said palm tree. Yo, 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 this is your boy, TJ, Trinidad James. You're listening to Dr. Bino on Cannabis Confidential. L.A., what up? Nickname James, man. I'm already like a life. People were so excited to see you supporting our industry, and it's so important to see people who are mainstream, who are out there, that people look up to. That was my first one ever going to, so that was definitely a big deal for me. It's not just, oh, man, just come smoke a bunch of joints. It's a lot of science into it. It's way more interesting than a lot of people might think would look down, per se, on what we enjoy. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. I feel like palm trees make California. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. 
The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at the National Survey of Drug Use and Health, and we glean from it some very important information that the drug warriors certainly don't want people to know. Some of those drug warriors have been saying a a pretty strong message against legalization for years, and it goes something like this. Back in 1999, Representative Bill McCullum, a representative in the state of Florida, argued that medical marijuana legalization was, quote, sending the wrong message to our youth, end quote. In 2000, former drug czar Barry McCaffrey argued that, quote, legalization would send a strong message that taking drugs is safe and socially accepted behavior. That would play a major role in softening youth attitudes and ultimately increasing drug use, end quote. In 2005, the deputy chief of the NYPD's narcotics division, Edmund Hartnett, wrote that legalization, quote, leads to more experimentation by youth, end quote. And even as recently as 2013, the last drug czar, Gil Kurlikowski, was saying, quote, we are certainly not sending a very good message when we call it medicine and legalize it, end quote. The idea, of course, this message that we're sending to the kids, that marijuana ain't so bad, it's medical, adults can use it without problems, well, that's going to lead the kids to get more marijuana and use more marijuana and think it's no big deal, and then we'll have stone teenagers roaming the streets. So we took a look at the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, and we decided to look over the last dozen years. Our analysis goes back to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health for the years 2002, and we take it to the most recent data available, the year 2014. And what we found is in the dozen years between 2002 and 2014, marijuana use among the nation's seniors has doubled, while use by minor teenagers has dropped by over a quarter. What's this? They apparently didn't get the message, those teenagers. They were supposed to be using more marijuana, but apparently fewer of them are using marijuana now. So in 2002, here's the the numbers. In 2002, 26.8% of minors aged 12 to 17 and 16.6% of seniors aged 50 or older admitted to using marijuana in the past year. Over a quarter of minor teenagers and a sixth of seniors aged 15 older. In the 2014 survey, 19.5% of minors 
And 36.5% of seniors admitted to using marijuana. That is, we went from over one in four minors to under one in five minors. And we went from one in six seniors to over one in three seniors admitting to using marijuana in a year. That works out to a decline of 27.2% in the minor use rate, declined by over a quarter, and an increase of 119.9% in the senior use rate. That's more than double the senior use rate. Now, this is reflecting use rates, which is the rate of how many people in that age group are using marijuana. But if you look at the raw numbers, you get an even more interesting picture because, of course, there are more people in 2014 than there were in 2002. And we've got that baby boomer demographic, that aging demographic that's moving through uh, the calendar, right? So in raw numbers, if we look back to 2002, there were 3.35 million teenage marijuana users and 2.12 million senior marijuana users. In 2014, the teen marijuana users dropped by 50,000, 3.3 million teens. 50,000 fewer teens in overall raw numbers are using marijuana in 2014. The raw numbers for the seniors went up to 6.56 million. From 2.12 to 6.56. That's a tripling in raw numbers of seniors because, again, the that boomer demographic has moved up and increased. So you're going to get larger raw numbers and the uh, numbers for age groups. Other age groups are kind of revealing. There are 2 million more annual marijuana users aged 18 to 25, but the rate of use for young adults actually went down from 72% to 64%. The college age kids went down 72 to 64. There are 2.4 million more cannabis consumers aged 26 to 34 but their rate of use held relatively steady, 41% to 43.5%. And for the ages 35 to 49, middle-aged people, there are 1.2 million more consumers, but their rate of consumption decreased from 43.4% to 36.5%. That's actually the same rate as the seniors as well, 36.5%. So you could say from the age of 35 on up, one out of three people is using marijuana this year. One out of three of people 35 and up. Legalization led to more use by older people, not younger people. And keep in mind, at the beginning of this span, there were just seven states that had legalized the medical use of cannabis. No state had legalized recreational marijuana, and Nevada had just rejected legalization with 39% of the vote. By the end of 2014, 23 states have medical cannabis programs, 10 states had allowed for medical cannabidiol use, and 4 states had legalized adult-use marijuana. It seems that if there was any message about marijuana received by the youth through state legalization of medical and adult use, it's that marijuana is for middle-aged and older people. All right, stay tuned. we got Becca Williams coming up next from Free Speech TV right here on the Russ Belville Show. This is the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's thesilvertour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. As marijuana moves into the mainstream, more filmmakers are taking a look at all aspects of cannabis culture. These days, marijuana movies are about more than hiding from Sergeant Stadenko or trying to get to White Castle for the munchies. Join with us as we explore the latest in the cannabis cinema. Well, today in the Cannabis Cinema, we take a look at the small screen, a television screen that is, and joining us is the host of one such cannabis-related television show, Marijuana Straight Talk on Free Speech TV, and the host, Becca Williams, joins us by Skype. How you doing, Becca? Oh, Russ, what a treat to be with you. You are, you are a media pioneer in this space, an advocate, and... You have done so much to grow this whole arena. I am here in part because of you today. Thank you. Well, thank you for such nice words. I really appreciate that. And uh, I admire you going into this on the video side. I, I did video for a while, and my goodness, that's a lot to deal with. So <laughs> good for you taking it on. Tell us about your show on Free Speech TV. Sure, absolutely. 
We um, we are kicking off in September with a weekly show. We got a green light from a remarkable television network, which you probably are familiar with. It's called Free Speech Television Network. They're national. They are on Dish and Direct. They get about 1.2 million viewers per month. Free Speech runs Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, the Tom Hartman Show, Stephanie Miller. So we are in good company. And the, the, the rest of the show, Russ, is really about embracing and nurturing how we are going to see this cannabis culture evolve and unfold. We know that we are headed toward legalization. Um, how they're going how the, how the dominoes are going to fall, we don't really know that yet, but we know that that's going to happen. And our citizenry across this country is, is there's so many of us who are deeply involved with cannabis in one way or the other, whether it's marijuana or hemp, industrial hemp. And so we are far outpacing our legislators and lawmakers. So this show is really about the the coming of age of the cannabis culture and all that that entails. That sounds great, and great to hear that's on Free Speech TV. I I recognized it from the Democracy Now! program, and uh, Tom Hartman, who, when he was a uh, a radio personality on AM620 KPOJ here in Portland, was kind of my mentor as I was breaking into radio. So, like you said, great company. No greater folks than than, uh, Tom Hartman and the folks at Free Speech TV. And, And, Becca, I'm interested in your background, how you came to be the host of this show, and and what's your connection to cannabis? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. So let me start by saying that I come from a, a, a childhood that had a lot of trauma. There was a lot of abuse for us in my, uh, in my family of origin. And so consequently, I was raised in an environment that was not safe and that offered little uh, support for me um, in my self-worth, for instance, and my concept of myself. And so growing up in that kind of environment as a teenager, as a young person, um, I found that I was really, um, really coursing with anxiety and panic, and, uh, and I was I was afraid a lot of the time over the most simple things and becoming because my childhood was not safe. And so that was the way I was conditioned in, in my behavior. And I know that I am not alone because I have heard from a lot of people out there as I talk about these things, particularly on our YouTube channel. And so I started, I, st- I started um, partaking of cannabis in college and found that it was really very much of, of, a, of a soothing agent for me that took me back into a sense of well-being. So uh, for that, since a young adult, it has been a thread in my life. So fast forward uh, to my profession as a, a, a reporter, um, a television reporter. Um, I worked for National Public Radio in Chicago, and of course, I, so I was um, 
I, I used cannabis all the way through that for uh, for my health and well-being, if you will. And I eventually became a national health editor for a network of magazines called Dragonfly Media. And it was through that where we were specializing in holistic and alternative approaches to health. And, of course, that includes herbs. And a lot of people were telling me how they were treating their pain with cannabis. But I was working for a family magazine at the time, unlike you, where you're just been out there. And I had to make the decision. I had to make the decision that I could, it was a family magazine, and I couldn't encourage people to do this. And so what goes around comes around, and here I am now with the chops from, you know, uh, television reporting. I consider myself a, a recovering uh, television reporter. And the storytelling from from NPR, and I also I also love your tagline, the NPR of POT, which you are. <laughs> Thank okay. you. And um, sure, and and um, as we say in Iowa, Russ, it ain't bragging if it's fact. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Becca. And now you're the uh, third person from mainstream journalism I've met who's taken on cannabis journalism. Of course, uh, Charlo Green up in Alaska who quit on air, and then uh, Sid uh, Maurer out here in uh, Eugene, Oregon, who lost her television anchor job. Um, she was a morning anchor. She lost her job because she got a little fender bender in the company car and turned up positive on the subsequent uh, urine screen. So uh, I, I'm very, very... Uh, very excited about the prospect of more people coming from the professional journalism side into the cannabis journalism side. And uh, what a relief it must be for you to be able to speak openly on the topic. Yes. When I worked with Dragonfly Media, I became the uh, editor of uh, one of the largest, most progressive eco-sustainable magazines covering eco-sustainability and health and well-being and personal growth and development uh, in the United States. And it was in Chicago. It was called Conscious Choice. And I was the editor there, and the company really believed in advocacy, which was something that was so foreign to me. Because, of course, as you know, as a reporter, you are all about, quote-unquote, objectivity, which is a total and absolute myth, But because we always take our biases into everything that we do. Uh, so, but, but, but this magazine was uh, allowing me to talk about GMOs without, you know, without, you know, that, that, that insipid uh, balance where you have, for instance, uh, marijuana is good, marijuana is bad. And you have these two voices in about four minutes, and then it just gets really vapid, and nobody gets anything from, from it at all. And this was the, the frame was changed for me uh, in the in the context of doing this work with Conscious Choice in Chicago because it was really about what are the best choices for living with a lighter footprint on the planet, both personally, both uh, you know, conscious business out there. How do you do that? And so that has been uh, my area of interest for a lot of years now, and that is what I'm bringing to the cannabis sector, Russ. That's fantastic. We're speaking with Becca Williams. She's the host of Marijuana Straight Talk. That'll be airing on Free Speech TV come this September. But you also mentioned a YouTube channel. So is it shows that you had done on YouTube and now you're, you know, kind of moving up to the big leagues? Oh, uh, Russ, what, what we all, what we have done, and I invite people to go to our website, if I might. Yes. It's mjstraighttalk.com. MJStraightTalk.com. Remember, there's two T's, one in uh, one in talk and one in straight. And 
uh, and uh, and we have we have pilot episodes from last year that ran on free speech, and we did a 420 special last month. Get this, that turned out to be free speech's highest, uh, uh, most popular, highest ratings uh, of a weekly show for all of 2016. That's- this so far, this was a one-off special. So the appetite for information is huge around this. So we have, um, I, you know, we have everything. I mean, we have the television show, and at the same time, we have nearly a hundred um, uh, videos uh, of uh, premium content around. Uh, living, how do you integrate cannabis into your life? And so you can go to our, our YouTube also, if you don't mind me giving these plugs. Please do. No, that's what we're here for. <laughs> the uh, YouTube, YouTube uh, channel is MJ Straight Talk also, just like our website. Excellent. MJStraightTalk.com, MJ Straight Talk on YouTube, and soon Marijuana Straight Talk on Free Speech TV, which you can find on Dish Network and uh, Direct TV. Uh, any other outlets that we need to uh, let people know about? You know, there uh, the whole, all the digital components. You don't. Uh, we we love television, and that's the that's the America. The majority of Americans still get their uh, information from television. Now, when you look at the at the ages that. Obviously, it skews older because baby boomers are more used to television. But um, millennials and Gen Xers are getting it. They may do it more on on mobile, but it it, it does uh, it does show that television is still the mainstay, and people are turn, tuning in. So we have that, but we also have um, uh, we're on Roku, and we call those over the top OTT. So for cord cutters, all, all these all these terms. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people out there who don't want to pay the, the high prices of cable anymore. And so they go to Apple television or they go to Roku. Uh, there's, uh, there's others that, uh, um, I'm trying to think Android. Uh, what is it? Anyway, they're called OTT over the top. And so it's, it's streaming and you can get on those channels. Uh, Sling TV, uh, we're going to have video on demand after the show runs. They they run it several times like HBO does, Free sure. Speech does. And so it'll be on video on demand on our website on Free Speech. And, uh, and you can always watch it streaming. So you don't have to have dish or direct uh, in order to, to get this. So you have to have the whole complement these days, Russ, of all those digital platforms, and we have television. That's great. Well, it looks like if people need to get their uh, Marijuana Straight Talk, they're going to be able to find a way to get it. And uh, Becca Williams, I wish you all the luck in the world, and congrats on uh, entering the world of cannabis journalism. Glad to have you here. Well, well, thank you. And again, congratulations on your 3,000 hours of airtime. Is that what I understand? (laughs) Something like that, that's for sure. Oh, thank you, Russ, my friend. All right. Good luck, Becca, and we look forward to you on MJStraightTalk.com. Take it easy. Very good. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Radical Rant, we're going to talk about Ohio and how they're marching in to the medical marijuana Box Canyon when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Mentions the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on CannabisRadio.com. And don't try to debate me on something. Motherfucker, I can't do many things well. But words are my shit. The Stoner Jesus Show. Live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. I'm telling you, no matter how much you think the supposed monopoly part sucks, it is the best shot for an open market home grow legalization as Ohio's going to get for a decade or more. That's a paraphrase of numerous Facebook comments I posted last year to Ohioans who were vehemently opposed to the legalization initiative that failed by a two to one margin. 2015 was a tough year for me online. I was one of the very few of my colleagues cheerleading for the passage of the Responsible Ohio Issue 3. You'll remember that it was the fantastic marijuana legalization proposal with a really odious catch. There'd only be 10 lands for commercial growing, and they were all owned by the investors in Issue 3, a constitutionally guaranteed oligopoly. I was in Columbus for election night. As the first returns came in, I knew it was doomed. The election night party tried to remain optimistic for a change in the results, but updates just kept reaffirming that Ohio 2015 would be the biggest legalization loss in 30 years. There was a Woman Grow meeting a couple of days after the loss at which I was invited to speak. During the question and answer time, somebody asked me what I thought was next for Ohio in 2016. 
And I said something close to, I think there will be an initiative push for medical marijuana, but not legalization in 2016. Polls show it's pretty much a slam dunk here. If they've got a serious proposal that could win, I expect your legislature will pass some no-home-grow, non-smokable, no-plant medical marijuana law like Minnesota and New York just to beat them to the punch. I said something close to that, at least. And I was almost exactly right. There was an initiative push this year for medical marijuana, but not for legalization. The legislature saw that it had a serious chance of passing, so they came up with their own medical marijuana legislation that is no home grow and non-smokable. But Ohio did make me did prove me wrong on one point. They did manage to get access to whole plant medical marijuana. But smoking it is forbidden. We'll come back to that. (laughs) One uh, positive that had come from the 2015 campaign was the polling that showed medical marijuana was extremely popular in the Buckeye State. Marijuana Policy Project put resources into a citizen's initiative for medical marijuana. It included the right of patients to cultivate up to six cannabis plants. The legislature, recognizing that the MPP initiative would likely win in November, crafted its own medical marijuana law. Initially, it was no home grow, non-smokable, and no plant, just like I'd predicted. But the activists fought hard and got the inclusion of plant material as an acceptable form of medical marijuana, so long as it is not smoked. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that once the patients get at home, that law will be followed as diligently as the for tobacco use only sign in a head shop. But uh, the real reason for the smoking ban is that it forces patients who want to smoke it to only do it at home. In public, possession of a pipe or burnt marijuana will be a non-medical use, and those caught with it will still be subject to the criminal laws. And another strange quirk of the new Ohio law is it's got a limitation on THC potency for marijuana at 35% and extracts at 70%. 35% bud is not too difficult because even the best bud on the West Coast is just topping 30% at this point. But a 70% limit on extracts just means that the patients who need extracts are going to have to smoke more of them. I'm sorry, not smoke because combustion isn't allowed. Vaporize more of them in order to get the same relief. And now MPP has announced the suspension of their campaign for the medical marijuana initiative. Almost everything from the MPP initiative is in the new law with respect to the qualifying conditions, including PTSD, the growers, the processors, the dispensaries, the patient's rights to not be disqualified from organ transplants or child custody is included. But what it's missing, of course, is the right of patients to home grow or to get stronger extracts and fighting to add patients home grow rights and stronger extracts just is not a wise use of resources in a campaign year where MPP has four other legalization initiatives to back, which reminds me of something I wrote last September. Last September, I had uh, issue three opponents in 2015 who said there'd be something better next year. 
there'd be better legalization next year. And I wrote, quote, but in 2016, California will be fighting to get on the ballot and it will attract much of the money donated to support legalization nationwide. Add in Nevada, Michigan, Massachusetts, Maine, Arizona, and maybe even Missouri for 2016. And that leaves a lot of competition for pro-legalization dollars. Could 2020 be the next realistic shot for Ohio if it loses in 2015? Ask California, where their 2010 loss wasn't followed up until hopefully 2016. End quote. Look, I'm happy that medical marijuana will be available for patients in Ohio. And it's great that they'll actually get to use whole plant marijuana in a vaporizer. Wink, wink. But people growing cannabis will still be subject to arrest and prison. People possessing marijuana without medical recommendations will still get minor misdemeanors and fines, as will patients caught smoking marijuana. Just think, Ohio could have been beginning its medical and recreational program right now. Anybody, patient or not, could have been buying $50 licenses to home grow six plants. But rather than allow 10 investment groups to control all commercial grow lands, Ohio gets no home grow, non-smoking, medical-only marijuana through a yet-to-be-determined number of growers, processors, extractors, and retailers that localities can ban and that won't begin operations until 2018. And as far as legalization for healthy people to possess and home grow, 2020, maybe? I'm betting not until 2014, actually. Or 2024, I should say. 2014 already happened. Not until 2024, I should say. Ah, it's a double-edged sword fighting for medical marijuana, folks. Yes, you get this victory in Ohio. You get to add yourself to the list of medical marijuana states, but you you end a lot of the momentum for passing something better. How much longer is it going to take to get the people of Ohio to think you need to have any changes? They'll figure all the sick and disabled people are already taken care of. And you're just arguing for stoners to have the right to get high. All right, stay tuned. Hour two is next. I've got some Steve Elliott news. Oh, my goodness. For everyone here at Cannabis Radio, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope?
Or you can tell. I inhale. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. I'm Radical Russ, hanging out here at Cannabis Radio HQ in beautiful, sunny, hot Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you so very much. So, yes, we were just discussing the Ohio medical marijuana law that's passed, and, you know, it's... I don't know. Do you call this a win? Because like marijuana policy project put together the Ohioans for medical marijuana and they had a really good initiative, home grow and a great condition list and protection for, you know, employment rights and custody rights and medical rights and, you know, robust system of growers and processors and dispensaries and testers and all that. Right. And part of this part of the motivation would be to put together the initiative as leverage to get the legislature to move on passing medical marijuana. A similar tactic was tried in Oregon in 2013, where we put together our measure 91, but before we went for it as an initiative, we handed it to the legislature and said, Hey, you know, go ahead and pass this. And, uh, we won't have to move forward with an initiative. They didn't pass it. So we went forward with an initiative. And it seems to me like we've entered a new phase here with medical marijuana, and that is that these legislators, having been beaten over the head with the the scenes of sick and disabled people protesting and the epileptic kids on the statehouse floor and pretty much the overwhelming consensus for the past 20 years among the public that marijuana is medicine, it has medical benefits, it's finally dawned on them that if you can't beat them, join them. And so this Ohio legislative move is the first kind of the opening gambit, if, if you ask me, in a new era of medical marijuana, the, the, a new era in the Box Canyon. And what it is, is the era where the remaining states that have initiatives, the only good the initiative process will have is to act as leverage to get a lesser medical marijuana law through the legislature. 
I see this. Okay, so like the first instance of this, in a sense, was California 2010 when Prop 19 was threatening to legalize marijuana in California and to undercut the support for it. Governor Schwarzenegger signed a bill that the assembly hurriedly put through to decriminalize an ounce possession. So these legislatures are figuring it out. They're figuring out they they lose at the ballot box. They lose at the ballot box if marijuana makes the ballot. So they've got to pass something, something they can abide by that undercuts that support. And that's what we just saw happen in Ohio. Pass just enough medical marijuana so that there's no need to vote on an initiative. And I think this is what we're going to see uh, in the next four years in other states that might have the initiative process to be able to push forward with medical marijuana states like a Missouri or Idaho or Wyoming, even Oklahoma, where they're trying to get medical, these States are going to figure it out. They're going to say, Oh, you want medical marijuana. Okay. We can do that. See Minnesota figured that out. We just have to have like two growers, two growers who send it to processors who turn it all into some sort of pill or spray or inhaler or liquid or tincture anything but the natural marijuana bud and then you'll have your medical marijuana and then uh, all you initiative people out there can't complain because we gave you medical marijuana now any initiative you try to pay try to pass that's got home grow in it just looks like you're a bunch of hippies trying to get high that's what we need to be fighting for by the way This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis industry is growing, business is booming, and as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit cannna-management.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. 
Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. Here in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Henry Clay. A little bit of U.S. history for you that may not know the importance of that name. Henry Clay was a Speaker of the House of Representatives three different times. He was the U.S. Secretary of State under President John Quincy Adams from 1825 to 1829. He served in the United States Senate for the state of Kentucky as well. And he ran for president in 1824, 1832, and 1844. One of the uh, premier statesmen uh, in American history. He uh, was a, a large part of getting us involved in the War of 1812 and was known as one of the great politicians of all time. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, once said he was my ideal of a great man, end quote. So why am I bringing up Henry Clay? Well, it has to do with this little story from the uh, Lexington Herald leader in Lexington, Kentucky, talking about the estate of Henry Clay, a place called Ashland, which is celebrating the return of hemp crops to Henry Clay's estate. In fact, Henry Clay, aside from being known as one of the great politicians and the great, great compromisers in the United States Congress, was also a hemp farmer, a well-known and very prosperous hemp farmer. In fact, he was once known as the Prince of Hemp. So in celebration of the replanting of hemp at Ashland in Lexington, Kentucky, the Henry Clay hemp-infused dining experience is taking place at 6 o'clock on June 11th. And for 75 bucks, you'll get a five-course hemp-infused meal, two hemp-infused beverages, and a hemp tote bag full of hemp products from sponsors Hemp History Week and Kentucky Hempsters. That's right, Hemp History Week's coming up. The meal will be the culmination of a hemp symposium that day from 1 to 5 p.m., which will feature speakers on the history of hemp, the current research on hemp, and the political side of hemp, including the Kentucky Secretary of Agriculture, Ryan Quarles, researchers from the United Kingdom, and others. A hemp-infused... Now, we're not talking uh, medicated stuff here. We're just talking about hemp seed, uh, you know, hemp oil, hemp-infused, right? No psychoactivity here. We are, it is still Kentucky. Uh, the seating is limited to 75 for the dinner, and here's the menu. Bread made with hemp flour and sour cream cornbread with honey butter. 
quinoa mixed with hemp hearts, fresh strawberries and crumbled goat cheese tossed in a green chili peach and hemp oil dressing, hemp seed crusted chicken topped with golden raisins in a bourbon and sorghum glaze, handmade hemp flour fettuccine with basil and hemp seed pesto, and bluegrass farmer's market vegetables and greens tossed in virgin hemp oil with grated Romano. For dessert, there's blueberry sour cream pie with hemp crust topped with hemp dusted whipped cream. <laughs> oh my God. What am I doing June 11th? Maybe I can make it out there. I've never done a gig in Kentucky. <laughs> oh, I think I've got a gig on June 11th. Uh, no, I don't. Hmm. How can I get to Kentucky? Anybody want to send me to Kentucky for this, uh, for this hemp dinner? God, that sounds good. Uh, for more information, you can find it on henryclay.org. Uh, this is again on June 11th, the celebration of hemp returning to the estate of Henry Clay. That's a little American history for you. It also reminds me of how, you know, hemp is our heritage. You know, we had <laughs> politicians all the way through the 1800s who were growing hemp on their estates. Henry Clay wasn't the only one. I, you know, I, I hope someday I become extremely ridiculously rich. <laughs> I know the chances are very low, but if I were to become extremely ridiculously rich, I would fund the research, uh, the law research and the litigation necessary to challenge the banning of industrial hemp. And, and I, I don't know why this hasn't been done yet. And maybe I'm just ignorant of the law and, and the jurisprudence on the matter. But I believe that there is a Ninth Amendment remedy to hemp prohibition. See, the Ninth Amendment states that the enumeration in this Constitution of certain rights is not meant to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And it just means that the people have lots of natural rights. And we didn't write them all down. But just because we wrote some rights down in the Constitution, that doesn't mean that's all of them. It's just some of the rights. So to my mind, a plain reading of that amendment says that we can't ban the natural rights people have. We cannot deny or disparage, right? We cannot ban the natural rights of mankind. So if we're talking about a Constitution that was written by Adams and Jefferson and Madison and Monroe and upheld by people like Henry Clay, people that grew hemp in a, in, in co from colonies that could pay their taxes in hemp that were mandated by law to grow hemp in an economy that was completely agrarian at the time. Agriculture was what we were all about. It would seem to me that to the mind of our founding fathers, growing hemp would be a natural right. It, in fact, it would be such an obvious natural right. It would, it would be beyond their capacity to imagine having to write it down. Like, why would you bother to write that's like you have the right to breathe air? <laughs> like, yeah, duh, no kidding. It would be such an obvious thing to them. Hemp being so ubiquitous in their, in their, uh, in their world that they would have to accept that as a natural right. 
So if, if it's a natural right, if it's accepted that our founders were growing hemp and they, their, their economy depended on hemp, then how could it not be covered under the Ninth Amendment? How could that not be a Ninth Amendment right? Now, I'd like to talk to some constitutional lawyers on this and, and learn a little bit more about how this might go. But doesn't the Ninth Amendment mean that something has to be shown to not be a right in order for it to be banned? It almost seems to me like the Ninth Amendment kind of means that we're free until something's proven not our right. And I'm sorry, these excuses that have been used since the 40s, the 1940s, to base this on the Commerce Clause, to suppose that there's a congressional right to to stop people from growing industrial hemp, even for their own personal use, because they have the right to govern interstate commerce seems odd to me. And it also seems odd that the right to govern commerce would mean the right to eliminate it. And I I don't understand how that's possible. If I'm going to give you the right to regulate something, if that something doesn't exist, you can't regulate it. I've actually, we've actually taken away your right to regulate it by banning it. You'd be like saying, you know, you, you are hired to be a football official, football referee, but we're going to cancel all the football games. Well, then what's your job? You have no job. You have no purpose. Likewise, I think the commerce clause has no purpose in the, in the role of marijuana and, and hemp specifically if you ban all the commerce in that product, then there is no commerce. Then the co- how can the commerce clause apply to something that doesn't exist, <laughs> right? If you make illegal all the commerce in cannabis between the states, then there is no commerce. And if there is no commerce, how was there the backing of a commerce clause to back that up? And this is kind of the line of thinking that was was true in the United States up until – the era of the Controlled Substances Act. When, when they banned alcohol, they knew they had to pass a constitutional amendment because their thinking was, you know, Commerce Clause didn't extend that far. Even the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act didn't ban the commerce and industrial hemp. It merely required tax stamps for it that they didn't give you. So I don't know. I would love to see some sort of legal fight based on the ninth amendment and, and, and more examination of what that really means. I think sometimes that our rights are sometimes, you know, some of the time they want to base our rights based on how did the founding fathers see the world? And then other times they want to base our rights on, well, they couldn't have possibly known this or that, but of course they would have supported it. Yeah, I'm thinking like Second Amendment arguments when they say, yeah, well, the founding fathers, when they said right to bear arms, arms were muskets, right? That you couldn't fire multiple times in rapid succession and had lousy aim and so forth. But then other people will say, yeah, but arms don't mean necessarily the exact arms of the time. They meant the ability to defend oneself and to be a part of the militia. So which is it? Do we go by what the founders thought things were or what we think things are? And then how does that impact the hemp argument? What are you people? 
sound dope? Well, well, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> because it's 420 in the Pacific time zone and in the mountain time zone if you're in the state of Arizona because to hell with daylight savings time here. We got plenty of daylight. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I've got a very, very, very interesting story concerning no on I-502's Steve Elliott. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay, maybe you're high too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour here. We're live in Scottsdale, Arizona for one day. We'll have the day off tomorrow because I'm making my way to Aspen, Colorado for the normal Aspen Legal Seminar. We'll bring you shows from Aspen on Thursday and Friday. So I found this uh, very, very interesting post. Comes from the website of Uncle Ike's Pot Shop. Uncle Ike's is the leading pot shop in the state of Washington, I believe, at at this time. Uh, It's in Seattle, Washington. And it's long been one of the uh, big sellers, uh, one of the shops that I-502 created. Uh, 
And he's one of the first I-502 shops, Uncle Ike's at 23rd and Union in Seattle. And on their uh, header on the website, they've got a little red stamp that says, we've slashed our prices at Uncle Ike's. So I came upon this from a link in Facebook, and, and the graphic shows Grandpa Gus's farm cut quality, 28 grams ounce by ounce. And the graphic tells us that Uncle Ike's farm cut is selling for $99 an ounce. $99 an ounce with $59 for a half ounce. And it's remarkable, this uh, price, because during the run-up to I-502, there was a campaign. There was a no on I-502 campaign, loosely organized campaign, run by a a dispensary owner uh, slash grower. I don't know if he's a dispensary owner. But anyway, guy named Steve Sarich. Uh, runs the Northwest Leaf and some other magazines. And he was a vocal c- critic of I-502, even going so far as to predict that under I-502, an ounce would cost $600. $600 an ounce. So you, you got to imagine my surprise when I saw this uh, Uncle Ike's post talking about $99 ounces. My goodness, the $99 ounce. And um, there were other people in this uh, no on I-502 brigade, lots of them that were online, uh, a couple of lawyers, uh, some bloggers, and most particularly, one of my biggest nemesis out there on the net, a guy by the name of Steve Elliott. So Steve Elliott's this writer. He'd been writing for Toke of the Town, now writes a blog called Toke Signals. But anyway, Steve Elliott was one of these guys who was also vehemently against I-502. So I'm reading this Uncle Ike's post, and the title on it is Budget Buds and Why They're a Good Thing. One of the stumbling blocks for budget-conscious cannabis consumers who visit recreational marijuana stores in Washington has been the price of weed. Now, with its $99 ounces, Uncle Ike's is staking out new territory in the retail reefer game. A savvy move because to many, many people, price matters. I don't know if they're staking out new ground for even last year in Vancouver, Washington. I was able to get a $45 half ounce of sun grown. Okay, so they're not even yet beating the prices in Vancouver, but still a $99 ounce. That's that's great. Let's let's read on. So it says, I recently had the opportunity to sample two of the budget outdoor sun grown strains from Uncle Ike's Maui Sunset and Indica Dominant from Uncle Ike's house brand Grandpa Gus's Farm Cut coming in at 18.5% THC and Purple Shadow, a 16% THC hybrid strain from the Stinky Buds Cooperative. While neither strain is going to be mistaken for some $409 sherbet flowers or $399 cookies or grape royale at Uncle Ike's, it would be downright unreasonable to expect as much. Both strains work and offer a solid value at this price point. So even the the high-end, high-end bud that the author is talking about here isn't $600 an ounce. $409 was the highest one. Now, the article goes on to talk about trimming and these uh, $99 ounces are loose trims and they're sugar leaf and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can get a nice head high, blah, blah, blah. Other $99 an ounce strains I look forward to sampling include Mental Floss, uh, BK, Caitlin, and Widow Jack, Crazy Jack, Jack White, and Zion. So lots here about Uncle Ike's. 
how Uncle Ike's is doing such a great job providing these $99 ounces. So I get all the way down to the bottom, and guess who's the writer? (laughs) You got it. Steve Elliott. So Steve Elliott, the guy who campaigned strongly, loudly, and vociferously against I-502, the guy who stood with the cops, with the DAs, with the rehabs, with the prison guards, with the drug testers, with Kevin Sabet, to fight against legalization in Washington State, the guy who called me numerous names, including Rectal Russ, every time I would pipe up about his opposition to legalization, every time I would criticize one of his way off-base predictions, that guy, Steve Elliott, is apparently fine with taking money from an I-502 pot shop to write a puff piece on their cheap ounces. You remember the movie uh, Inglorious Bastards? <laughs> you remember? Yeah, you remember that movie with uh, with Brad Pitt as Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and one of the scenes has to do with them catch, capturing some Nazis, and how once the war was over, the Nazis were going to be able to take off their uniforms, and they'd never be known that they were Nazis, and so Lieutenant Aldo Rain would carve with a knife he'd take a bowie knife and carve a swastika on their forehead so they'd have a scar of a swastika so no one would ever not know that they were a nazi yeah i think about that a lot when i think about guys like steve elliott guys who fought tooth and nail to keep marijuana illegal to keep growers going to prison to keep users getting misdemeanors and tickets And now has the gall to take money from the very industry that he lobbied against. And to take that money promoting the very cheap marijuana that people like him predicted wouldn't exist under I-502. I guess some people got no shame, huh? <laughs> some people can just uh, just keep on shaking it no matter what, man. That's just uh, that's pretty amazing to me. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be able to, uh, to pull that off. All right. So um, in other news, let's get to some other stories here. We're heading to Aspen for the normal legal seminar this weekend. So be up there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and then next week, coming back to Scottsdale for more shows here. And our next major gig, I think, uh, is going to be the High Times Cannabis Cup on the weekend of June 18th. Now, there's a couple other gigs I've been promoting before that. The High Times Cup in Michigan, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to. Don't have enough money. And the... um, Cannabis World Congress and Business Expo in New York uh, on June 15th. I don't know if I'll be able to make it there either. But uh, we will make it out to the uh, Cannabis Cup in San Francisco, followed by the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo in Oakland. That starts on June 20th. Also, there's going to be a new segment coming up here on the Russ Belleville Show, uh, a segment that we're going to be calling Hempire. It's going to be a half-hour segment that we air on Tuesdays in the second half hour. It's going to be featuring the Stanley Brothers from CW Botanicals, 
going into detail on various subjects about hemp, uh, its use as food, fuel, fiber, all the industrial uses, the history, the question about questions about it, and so forth. So look forward to that coming up on the Russ Belleville Show in just a week or two. We're not sure exactly when we're going to promote it or start it. But uh, the, uh, the segment will be called Hempire with the Stanley Brothers. So look forward to that. Also have uh, more articles coming out. Uh, I will be penning a Marijuana Election Night 2016 preview for High Times Magazine. That'll be in the print edition. That should be on newsstands in October, right before the election. I have a story in the current High Times that's out on newsstands, the June 2016 issue, uh, top 24 worldwide pot destinations. If you want to check that out. And uh, we've got some other interviews coming out. Uh, Should be up soon on KGW News. I interviewed with Kyle Aboshi on a story he's working on. We'll uh, see if we can find the link for that and get it to you just as soon as we can. But right now we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more. Another topic that uh, I keep coming back to, this drug testing for welfare. What a mistake that is. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show. I'm Radical Russ, live from Scottsdale, Arizona. Stick around. We're back right after these messages. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. We're here with Sir Richard Branson. Far more damage has been done to people by the current approach. Jim McMahon. You know, a lot of the coaches are old school. You know, he used to just yell at us, go, oh, you bunch of bot smokers. John Popper on the telephone. You know, I think in the 60s there was that kind of, the bigotry wasn't so concrete. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Marijuana is not addictive. But listening to the Russ Belleville Show is... New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. 
Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks, Dan Michaels. Welcome back, everybody. 36 after the hour. This changed on me. There's a few thoughts going through my head as I look through some of the stories we've reported on today. This uh, coalition in Maine <laughs> comes to mind. So Sam, uh, Project Sam's guy up in uh, Maine is a guy named Scott Gagnon. And I've gone rounds with him on Twitter numerous times. And, um, you know, he's one of these typical Project Sam guys. The concern about big tobacco, big tobacco, it's big marijuana. Oh, no. Right. One of these what about the children types. How could we possibly have a decent society in Maine if we allowed marijuana to be used? Uh, But one of the things that bothers me about this is the same thing that bothers me about political pundits on TV. And that is there's no repercussions for being totally and demonstrably wrong. So, like, yeah, these guys, you know, remember back in 2002, ramping up to the Iraq war, you had these pundits on TV talking about we'd be greeted as liberators and it would pay for itself and we'd be done in six months and democracy would flourish, et cetera, et cetera. And every prediction they had was stunningly wrong to the point of the opposite happened, right? And yet. The same people that made those predictions show up on the same Sunday morning talk shows on the same news programs making more predictions. It's like if your psychic was wrong 10 out of 10 times, would you still call her a psychic, (laughs) right? Why are these people still called upon for uh, opinion and prognostication when it's shown historically that they were completely wrong? Why do they keep getting airtime? Well, that same thought goes through my mind when I see Kevin Sabet or Scott Gagnon or Ben Court or Will Jones or any of these Patrick Kennedy types that were demonstrably wrong about marijuana legalization. We covered this in the drug war data mines. They, they said, oh, the wrong message to send to the kids. If we liberalize marijuana laws, if we call it medicine. It's the wrong message to send to the kids. The kids will get the wrong message. They'll think marijuana is okay. More kids will use marijuana. Use will go up like crazy. And we showed that what happened was use by kids dropped by a quarter. We showed that what happened was for the first time in 40 years, high school se- less than 80% of high school seniors say it's easy to get marijuana. We saw that in the past dozen years, as we legalized medical marijuana in more and more states, in 16 more states, and legalized for adults in four states, that fewer kids are using marijuana. So we proved them 
wrong. They were absolutely wrong on the what about the children. They predicted many times that the tax revenues for marijuana would not equal the social devastation, the productivity losses, the health care costs, whatever sort of social cost you could conjure for marijuana. The taxes would not equal the destruction because for every $1 we bring in in alcohol and tobacco taxes, we spend $10 dealing with the fallout, the drunk driving, the lung cancer, etc. And they were demonstrably wrong on that point too. Washington and Colorado have already brought in $100 million in recreational marijuana tax revenue. If the 1 to 10 ratio still applies, then there'd have to be a billion dollars worth of social costs that have been exacted from legalizing marijuana in those two states. Hell, give them a break even. Can you even find $100 million worth of social costs from marijuana being made legal? No. So why does anyone give any credence to these prohibitionists that were proven wrong about the tax revenue, that were proven wrong about the youth use? Another thing that they they had predicted, there would be stoned mayhem on the freeways. Oh, my God. If we legalize marijuana, suddenly people will drive on it, you know, because For the whole time marijuana has been illegal, nobody's ever driven. Yeah, somehow legalizing marijuana invented cars and marijuana. That hasn't turned out to be true either. In the four years since 2012, the per million mile fatality rates for drivers in Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska have continued to decline. And remain below the national average. We did not see more mayhem on the freeways after marijuana was legalized. So they're wrong about the taxes. They're wrong about the the youth use. They're wrong about the stone mayhem on the freeways. So why does anyone give any credence to Scott Gagnon and the Mainers protecting our communities and youth or whatever the hell they're called? At what point will the American people start to see prohibitionists in the same way they see, you know, the flat earthers and the people that think the moon landing was faked and the people that, you know, I believe all sorts of kooky sorts of conspiracies and cultish ideas. That's where they're headed. That's where the prohibitionist mindset is headed. And the only thing they've got left anymore and they bang this drum as hard as they can, is that we'll be subject to big marijuana. There'll be this big industry. There'll be a big industry that makes its profits through growing and trafficking and selling marijuana, and they'll be coming after your kids, and they'll be marketing it to your kids, and they'll be cultivating a whole new group of addicts so they can continue to make their blood money. No, I'm not talking about the Juarez cartel and the Sinaloa cartel and the Gulf cartel, not the current big marijuana that makes its profits through the cultivation, trafficking and distributing of marijuana, not the current big marijuana 
that tries to get kids hooked, that uses kids in its operations. No, not the current big marijuana. You're supposed to be afraid of the corporate big marijuana. You know, the corporate one that pays taxes and creates jobs and settles its disputes in courtrooms instead of drive-bys. The, the corporate marijuana that doesn't hire anyone under the age of 21. The corporate marijuana that checks the IDs of the people it's selling to. Those are the ones you're supposed to be afraid of, not the not the current big marijuana that chops people's heads off and engages in drive-by shootings and has the kids selling for it in the high schools. So it's only a matter of time before that scary, scary boogeyman is defeated, too. And it's starting to happen already. I mean, already in Colorado and Washington and Oregon. The public is beginning to recognize that marijuana businesses are creating jobs and contributing tax revenues and revitalizing neighborhoods. The more stories that continue to be broadcast about how $1.5 million of marijuana tax money over here is helping the homeless and another 50000 in marijuana tax money here is giving scholarships to kids. And another few million here is building a school. Another few million there is doing some drug education. The more these stories keep coming out, the more that fear of big marijuana goes away. And it behooves the big marijuana industries, the current industries that are are building, it behooves them to do more of this public relations work as well. And, And to take it beyond just the We tried to give food to the food drive and they denied us and you get your little quick earned media. Go even deeper than that. Make make it so that the people understand that the the big marijuana they're supposed to be afraid of is actually a huge positive force in their neighborhoods, in their communities, in their states. There's not much they have left, these Project Sam types. Now, in other news about the Project Sam thing, I've heard rumblings from my sources that uh, Sam Action, now this is uh, Project Sam now has a pack. It's kind of like there's normal and normal foundation. They have to split these things up so that one side's nonprofit and can get tax-deductible donations, and the other side is a lobbying arm that has to account for its money differently, right? It's a a fairly typical thing that goes on in nonprofits. So Sam action now exists This Sam project, Sam political action committee. And last I heard it was donating money, uh, to the Las Vegas, to the anti Las Vegas, uh, or anti Nevada, uh, marijuana legalization. And that they had raised a quarter million dollars, quarter million dollars. And we're looking for, New hires in Nevada and I think it was California, but maybe it was Arizona, but the Southwest. So I know a quarter million dollars isn't a huge amount when we're talking about these campaigns that run in the multi millions, but it is the first time we've seen some major funding come across the plate that's been publicly acknowledged for the Project Sam people. Now the question is, Where's that money coming from? And if I had a bet to make, I would say Sheldon Adelson, the multi-billionaire casino magnate, 
the one who put up $4.5 million to help defeat medical marijuana in Florida two years ago. That would be my bet. So I would hope as these legalization campaigns go on and the mainstream reporters start reporting on how this Sam action is contributing to whatever anti-legalization force is happening in a state, I would hope that the mainstream reporters out there would start to ask some questions of Kevin Sabet, most particularly, where is this funding coming from? Kevin's been really reticent, and it's a real sore spot with him. If you even suggest that Project Sam is somehow funded by Big Pharma or drug rehabs or anything like that. He jumps and shouts and stomps his feet. We are not. We are funded by donors. We are probably, you know, he, he protesteth too much, if you ask me, when you ask him about his funders. But this Sam Action stuff, as they start to get more into the political arena, those sorts of donations have to be disclosed. And you can bet that I and Tom Angel out there at Marijuana.com, Marijuana Majority, you can bet the both of us are going to be looking into some FEC filings and some, some of these campaign finance disclosures. What an interesting irony it would be if Project Sam is getting money to defeat marijuana legalization from a guy who made his money on gambling addictions. <laughs> oh, it gets stranger and stranger, doesn't it? All right, folks, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll wind things up here on the Russ Belleville Show, live from Scottsdale, Arizona. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis industry is growing, business is booming, and as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. 
It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may in fact be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on cannabisradio.com. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. Ar, ar, ar. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. And uh, just in case you only watch the mainstream media, I wanted to let you know that... Uh, Bernie Sanders held a rally today in Oakland, California, and 60,000 people showed up. I know you probably won't hear it on NBC, ABC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, Fox. Probably won't cover it. Just another Bernie rally with tens of thousands of people. No big deal. (laughs) 60,000. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Ah, that's a damn shame. I sure (laughs) this This election season going to be a really big, diff- big, big, uh, difficult election to get through. PolitiFact is already reporting on the Inspector General's report on Hillary Clinton's email server, rating her statement, quote, it was allowed, referring to her email practices, as false. Categorically false. Fact-checking Hillary Clinton's claim that her email practices were allowed. False. Our ruling regarding her decision to use a private email server, Clinton said it was allowed. No one ever stopped Clinton from conducting work over her private email server exclusively, but that's not the same thing as it being allowed. Offices within the State Department told an inspector general that if she asked, they would have not allowed it. The report from the State Department's Office of the Inspector General shatters one of Clinton's go-to phrases about her email practice. We rate her claim as false. False. Or, you know, you could call it what it is, a lie. <laughs> a freaking lie is what it is. And this is this is my big, like, I've said this before on the show. I'm going to say it again. Of all the things in Hillary Clinton's background, in all of the reporting and all the situations that we talk about Hillary Clinton, the one thing that stands out to me the most is her lie about sniper fire in Bosnia. Because I think it's so illustrative of her mindset. You don't misremember being shot at. Okay. It's not something that just kind of 
you know, doesn't sear itself into your brain. I was in the military. I was in basic training. I went on the live fire exercises. And even as safe as those live fire exercises are meant to be and how far away the bullets actually are from you as they're flying overhead, you do not forget being shot at. (laughs) You do not forget bullets whizzing by in your general vicinity. So for her to, to concoct that story about being shot, you know, coming down under sniper fire in Bosnia and having to emergency land and run off the tarmac served no purpose whatsoever, but to burnish her credentials as a tough guy to show the world, you know, how tough she was, how scared she was, how she can handle things in a crisis situation militarily. It was a statement purely for political gain. And then when it was shown on video that she was lying, just outright lying, it's, you know, misremember would be like if you'd been shot at over Saudi Arabia and you misremembered it as Bosnia. That's okay. I could see you misplacing where you were at. But she flat out lied about being shot at in Bosnia. And then when caught in the lie, told another lie said that oh well yeah but we had to i had to stop by the young girl because it was her birthday and then we ran off the tar no you lingered around for all these photo ops so that that to me sealed it not that she lied but when caught in a lie tried to lie again it's like richard nixon trying to cover up watergate oh man please let there be a miracle please please somehow take down hillary clinton and let bernie sanders be the nominee please That's all the time I got for today. Thanks for joining us. We're off tomorrow. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it.